Hello and welcome to Getting Real with Lee and Lily. This is your co-host Lee and Lily on Anchor. And this is a show where no subject will be left off the table and we will be guided by the Holy Spirit. So let us open up prayer and Lily take it away. Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance. We ask for wisdom. We ask that you are present right now with us and that you take over this conversation, this podcast, that it's all you, Holy Spirit. Give us our testimony so we can help others that are feeling alone, that are feeling lost, that are feeling native or that they don't fit or they're, we just want to help them out. So use the Holy Spirit to use our testimony to help out. Love you, Jesus. Thank you in advance. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. So welcome, Gab back guys last episode we shared about Lily's testimony about abortion i hope you guys learned a lot from that because i know i did today Lily and i will be talking about living alone in the u.s so i'm gonna start off with a psalm that my grandmother asked told me to read when i was going through my little struggles you know teenage struggles during my first year in high school so i'm gonna start off with the psalm psalm 121 I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he watches over Israel. Never slumbers, nor sleeps. The Lord himself himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protector, protector of shame. The The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you go, come and go, both now and forever. Whew, that's a song my Amen. grandmother had told me. Amen. When I was, I think, 14 years old. And I always kept that song very close to me. So, yeah. So let me tell you a little background story of how we became, how we reached this topic of conversation. <laughs> yes, I, I admire everything about your story, about your testimony. I just, I, I, I keep, I kept imagining how you were at 14 in a different country but like you know by yourself and then your parents leave you and then you have your babies and your whole family is over mm-hmm. in South Africa like I just I admire you <laughs> and I just want to know how did you do it how did this happen like what was your strength what what made you keep pushing oh so ooh, let me take it back so ooh, when I was so and Lily said I'm from, from South Africa I've been born and raised over there I came to the U.S. when I was a month from turning 17. So, like, my strength that she talks about is my strength from God. God has been the center of my life. So I'm going to give you guys a little backstory of where and how I grew up. My family is Anakin. My fo- our foundation was going to church every Sunday, even on New Year's Eve and Christmas Eve, we were in the church. On Fridays, once we became teenagers, we went to youth nights on Fridays and... That's how, you know, both my fam, my families were grounded in Anglican Church. So God has always been a center of my life. So let me talk about how big my family is. Because a lot of people think I come from a country and I have no one left over there. So on my mother's side, there's four of them. She's the oldest um, sister. And then they all got married except for my, my, my mom's younger sister. And so she has no kids. And then... There's seven of us grandkids. And then from that, obviously, we all got our own children. And that totals us of 22 on my mom's side. My dad's side is a little bigger. My dad is, comes from a family of seven. He's the youngest of seven. 
and who our family on that side was grandkids was um when i left <laughs> when i left south africa alone we were already in the 40s of how big we were because every christmas we would all be together so uh, us on that side totals up to 93 so in total for my mother and my father's side i come up to about 105 110 if i'm correct how big my family is and that family is basically my foundation of where i come from and people think oh you know you left over there why did you leave and a lot of people don't really know the story of why i left south africa so who let's go back a little bit so my mom she she loved to travel she was a person even when my dad met her they dated for five years and they caught a courting in south africa they did for five years so during this time she was traveling and she gets that from her dad because her dad and her as a family used to travel all over the south africa so traveling has always been something a love of hers so when she became a teacher she always got opportunities to teach abroad but she never took them and so i say my my second to last year in primary school yes in south africa there's two different types of schools we, we do not have middle school we have primary school and high school so in my la- second to last year in primary school my mother got an opportunity to go teach in missouri but for some reason it fell through so that was kind of put to rest and like like my love for my like for my family is so huge because you know we used to be with my family every holidays every like you know vacations we always were together so let's jump a little forward to the next time she got this opportunity she got opportunity again when i was 16 and this time i was in my second year of high school and she decided you know what she's going to take it so we ended up Oh, a few months later after she got that opportunity, the paper went through. We ended up we were, we were in a situation where my parents were arguing about my mother didn't want to take me and my older sister cuz me my my younger sister, me the three of us, so my middle sister and me are 11 months apart. And we were still in high, we had just my little sister had just started high school, my middle sister, and then I was in my second year of high school. So my mother didn't want to take us to America with her. She only wanted to take my little sister. My little sister at the time was 8 years old. So my dad did not want to give consent for her. So my dad was like in order for you to take her you have to take all three of them. So obviously I'm almost at the end of the years of my high school I want to you know go to university because that's been the foundation of my life to always go to university once I graduate matriculate. So I figure we call it matriculation. Once I matriculate I was supposed to go to university. So this decision between my parents, you know, this this court that they sat there my mother decided fine she's going to take all three of us to America in 2003. Now this disrupted our entire life because it, it disrupted my life a lot because I had planned when I matriculated high school to move to Durban where my dad's from where my oh my dad's family was from. It was six hours away from Johannesburg because I mean I was born in Johannesburg. So me and my cousin Kim, we decided at the age of like 11, 12, we were going to get married on the same day. We were going to have kids the same day. We were going to live together when we, you know, matriculated high school because we were in the same we were in the same year, I believe in in high, um, school. So we had like plans, you know, we were like we got, I'm going to move to Durban, I'm going to go and live with my cousin. So we had like a whole lot of our whole our adult life already set out. But my parents, when I'm freaking 16, decide to make this life-changing decision for unknown reasons I still have no idea like the specific reason why my mother decided to make this decision and my dad just gave consent because he wanted us to all be together as three girls together all the time and then 2003 we came over here um I went to international school me and my sisters got tested to see what um, our level of education I ended up getting bumped 
to 11th grade because when I left, I left in the middle of my school year. In South Africa, our school year starts January and ends December. We do not start um, high year in the US. It's August or September and then end um, the next year in June, May or June. We start January from December. So I was in the middle of my school year. My sisters were in the middle of their school years and we ha- were taken out. We had to go into international school to get tested. And then um, they bumped us all up a year. So I ended up being, I missed a whole 10th grade year and ended up being 11th grade. My sister ended up being 10th and my little sister was put into second grade, I believe. So the first year living in the U.S. was great because it was so exciting. You know, it was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is a new country, you know, new things. It's America. People like talk so big about America, you know, because it's like the superpower of the world, you know, especially when it comes to war and stuff like that. So it was like, oh my goodness, so exciting. By the second year, it really hit us, the reality of what our life was about. We we no longer went to weddings. We no longer went to birthdays. We no longer went to any type of celebrations, no funerals, no, you know, a, 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 like anniversary parties, engagement parties, and none of that. It completely stopped in the second year because now we were in a whole different country. The family that I left behind was already like, you know, they were still living their lives, a South African life, what I'm used to. Because in my life in Africa, we always, every weekend, there was always someone's birthday, some function happening, some like a Valentine's dance or a dance for fundraising. There was always something happening. And then also I was competing. I used to do gymnastics professionally in South Africa. I was actually, when I left, I was a year from um, going into the Olympics. But because of a back injury, I was taken out and I couldn't compete anymore to go to the Olympics. So I was really on that level of professional. So it was always competitions going on or something going on in my life. My life was never quiet. Moving to the US, now 2004, we're realizing how quiet our life has become. You know, we're still going through the motions of living over here, you know, experiencing American life because you see it on TV, the yellow buses and, you know, the Freddy Krueger movie, you see the yellow bus, the Freddy Krueger yes. movie, <laughs> the Jeepers Creepers movie, you see that they're all the lockers, you know, and it's so funny because growing up, right, now that I think about it, I used to have dreams of being in the locker, a yellow locker in, and I'm like in South Africa. But then one day I had a deja vu moment in my senior year in high school in here. I had a deja vu standing in a locker and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to be here. I dreamt about this years <laughs> ago when I was a little girl, right? So it's just strange how God always works. Like he puts these little like, you know, these signs in, in your life you, you're not even aware of. So whew, it's so crazy because then by 2005, I had graduated high school and uh, my mother told me I was going to go back home to Johannesburg and go to university. So I was, you know, I, I printed out the whole application. I was ready to go sign up because every summertime we would always go home to South Africa because South Africa, obviously it was vacation over here for the U.S. students. So we, in South Africa, my friends were still in the middle of school. <laughs> you know, it was like they were still in school <laughs> over there every here summertime. So my, I graduated 2005. I go home. My dad tells me, nope, you have to go back home. And I'm, I'm going to go back to America. And I'm like, why? He's like, you have to go look after your sisters. And I'm like, it didn't make any sense to me at the time. Because all my life, I've always been told, when you matriculate, you are going to go to university. I'm going to get you a car. And you're going to finish. Because our university only lasts about three years, three to four years. So it wasn't going to be that long. And we don't have colleges. In, the, you, in South Africa, if you go to college, it means you didn't do good in school. Because university was a standard, you know? So... There's no like, you know, like how they have ACT score, SAT test, ACT, all that stuff. We don't have that. As long as you get your certain grade level, like A's and B's and C's, you're able to go into university. There was no like specific tests. So I was, I'm gonna go, I was so excited. I'm going to go home 2005 and graduated. I get the freaking, the news. Nope, you're going right back. 
And now this is where things got really interesting because my parents did not know. At the age of 18, I lost my virginity. And, you know, because Africa, we were raised, you get, you lose your virginity as your first husband that you're married to. And that's it. That's who you live with for the rest of your life because that's the foundation of my parents. They were each other's first and they got married. They dated they were each other's first and they've been together ever since. Their marriage is as old as me. My, my parents married for 36 years. <laughs> that's how old they, their marriage is. So that was my foundation. So now, because the US, you know, everything is new. People are talking about sex and things going on. So I was ready to the age of 18. So now I'm sent back in 2005, back to South Africa, to, back to America to react to my sisters. I have no way to work, no way to go to school. And the, my parents wanted me to sit home and look at the four walls and while my mother was at work and my sisters were at school. Now imagine you 19 years old, Lily. What do you do at 19? Can you sit home? <laughs> you <No>. cannot <laughs> you cannot sit home and you cannot be in the house with all your friends, your American friends now, mind you, all in college. My, some of them went to UGA, some went to Georgia State. All my friends had their driver's licenses. They were going places, you know? And I'm over here in America, unstable. My, my mother and my sisters are doing their thing and I'm by myself. So what happens? The devil always finds a work for idle hands. That's one of the things my grandmother always tells us, always stay busy in the work of God. Because if you do not stay busy, the devil finds his way into your little empty mind and finds a work for idle hands. So that's exactly what happened. At the age of, <laughs> I was 18, a month before I turned 19, I ended up falling pregnant. So obviously I'm naive, you know, I didn't tell my parents I was pregnant. My husband, my late husband now actually is the one that told them when I was seven months pregnant that I was having a baby. So, huh, um, my dad had came down in December of that year before I was even, I was like four months. And he told me, he saw me pregnant like this year, actually, this conversation, last year this conversation happened, 2021. I forget we in 2022 already. He told me um, that he saw me pregnant, but he didn't want to say nothing. He told me that I, as a child, 19 years old, should have told him I was pregnant. And I'm like, that is some bullshit because you still, you still my parent, right? Yeah. They, they could have called me at any age. Thank you. At any age. My parents are like, now nah, because my dad's family, the, the family I come from, a lot of them had, a lot of the, uh, my aunts and then my cousins had babies out of wedlock. In my mother's family, it was not so, but my dad's family, it was like, it was a little normal for us. So he always told us growing up, if you fall pregnant, you have to be adult enough to raise a child. Because if you're adult enough to lay down in the bed and open your legs, you're adult enough to stand up and, you know, raise a child. So that's exactly what I did. So at 19, my dad sees me pregnant, doesn't say nothing. So a few months later, my late husband goes and tell my mother I'm pregnant. So what happens a month after that? we decided to get married because I told him I do not want to have my child out of wedlock in America and I'm you know have no husband if I was gonna be out of wedlock I might as well go back to South Africa because you know at least I know I have my my, my parents home which they still own to this day you know my dad had a great job like we we were like a middle-class family in South Africa so I knew I had a good foundation over there and I was gonna go home so he decided nope that's not happening he decided to ask me to marry him so this is where my life really took a turn. So I got married to him and um, his parents were very upset and they kept telling me, you just married this man for a green card. And that time God can kill me and strike me dead right now. At that age, I had no idea what a green card was. 
because yeah, I've been, yeah. you're, you're <laughs> because, a young kid <laughs> i was a young kid because a lot of times like now as old as i got i realized that a green card was something really talked about in third world countries because it's a it's a golden ticket to america growing up in south africa my life was middle class you know what i'm saying my pa- i have i grew up in a house my parents had two, several cars not just one or two they had several cars at you know during the years i grew up in a good good neighborhood like we grew up in a really white predominantly white neighborhood you know and that's why my accent is very different from the other colored um the colored communities because i was raised around white people so i had a very british accent when i moved over here so i was from good you know good stock so when i came here and i learned about this green card and i was told like oh you you made him for a green card i i learned later on a lot of women do come to america for their green card opportunity and they do get married and use a man for green card right to be have the american dream even at that time i had no idea what american dream was until i was like maybe my 25 <laughs> like i had no idea i never knew the grass the greener you know they always say oh you, the grass is green on the other side and i'm like the grass the greener was in south africa the grass the, that was greener for me was in durban my dad grew up that was a way i wanted to be you know i wanted to live in south africa i never ever in my wildest dreams ever thought i would leave south africa even though my mother traveled she went to um you know, New Orleans one year for two weeks. She loved to travel. Me, I love stability. So when my parents made the decision in 2003, they caused a disruption in my life as well as my sister's. They just caused instability, you know? And I hated that, even though it was exciting in the beginning, but I hated that, you know? So when I got married, I was thinking this is gonna be stable. It was not stable. <laughs> it turned into a very vicious and unhealthy situation where his grandmother actually pulled me aside and she's like do you know what a green card is and i'm like 21 at the time i got married when i was 19 i didn't I still had no idea what a green card was until i was 21 when his grandmother said this is what a green card is and this is why you have to get it from him he still refused to get my green card and so he passed away and I got my green card through a Latin American association that helps individuals like myself in situations where they have no means to get a green card. So now I'm over here in America. My parents left me in 2006 when my mother, when my sister graduated in 2006, my mother's contract and her visa expired. So she had to go home. So instead of her going home to South Africa, she decided to go to England with my little sister. So my middle sister was in South Africa for a few months my baby sister was in england for like six months and i was in america by circumstance people think i was here because i want to be it no i was in america by circumstance this is a choice i had to make because in my in my head when my dad told me when you have a baby you have to become an adult so that's for when i become adult means you know you, you no longer live with your parents you have to figure out how you're going to make your life you know work for you and this is where god really stepped in my life because through throughout the two years of two and a half years of being being married i really leaned on god a lot i prayed a lot i listened to gospel music kurt franklin was one of my favorite gospel artists and i wrote in my diaries and all those ideas came from god how to survive and stay humble and be close to him so my relationship with god really grew because there they could have been situations where i watch a lot of um id channel a lot of like murder cases i love mysteries i love watching twisted sister deadly woman like a lot of 48 hours all that stuff right and i see a lot of stories about how these girls end up in situations where they're either murdered or they become the murderer themselves to get out of bad relationships you know or they commit suicide and they kill their kids 
And I never chose that route because when I saw my sons, I said, I have to live my life for them. So I stayed really close to God. I read my Bible. I wrote my diaries. I listened to gospel music. That's what kept me really strong. Because like I told you in the beginning, my foundation was Anakin. God was always number one in my life. And then at 14, I took Jesus Christ as my savior. And I really got even more closer to God, you know? So during this time, living in America, it hasn't been easy for me. I only got my green card after my husband passed away. You will hear probably later on in my freaking life when me and Lily blow up, where um, my my late husband's family is going to come and deny everything that I'm about to say. But it is what it is because God knows my life. Nobody can take my story away from me but God. So I got my green card through the Latin American Association. And later on, three years later, I ended up becoming a US citizen. But it has not always been easy. My husband, my late husband passed away right before I got my green card. If you listened to in, in the other episodes before about how I, how I survived freaking abuse. But, you know, God has always been the center of who I am. So, living in America with no family, no cousins, no aunts, no uncles, absolutely nothing has been one of the hardest journeys of my life. Because like I told you, I come from a big family. I'm used to seeing like my family when we were together those were my friends even though I grew up in Johannesburg my Durban family lives six hours away was where is where I was the most happiest so I don't come from a family of like you know distance my mother's family I was not close to them because my mother wasn't close to her family but my dad's family if whenever they got together it's like they saw each other yesterday even if I have to go home now, today, today, tomorrow, my family will take me in like they saw me yesterday because that's how, how close our connection was. Our family, the Turner family is based on love. My grandmother's favorite verse was always love. The one me Lynn spoke about a few episodes ago, but the, what love is, that was my grandmother. She was love. So we are built on a lot of love. So if I go home now, they open arms. They're like, Laura, where you been? What's going on? Like, they'll talk to me like they saw me yesterday. And that's where I come from. People just think that I chose to be here. It's not, it has not been easy. There's been times where I had opportunity to go back home when, when my husband passed away. And that time I had no green card. But I thought to myself, what kind of life will my sons have being there? Because South Africa is a country where crime happens. Crime happens everywhere. But that kind of crime is a whole different ballgame. Like, in, if anyone knows about third world country crimes, you, you know it's different from America. Because America, crimes get solved pretty quick. You know, South Africa, you don't know who did it. <laughs> you don't know someone did it, but you just don't know who, you know? Yeah. And so I told myself, would I want my sons to be raised in that country? Or would I want them to have an American life because they are American born? So I had to make a choice was my happiness more important than theirs or was their happiness more important than mine and i chose my son's happiness i chose my son's safety i chose them over everything and that's why i still live in america because of them i don't live in america because of me you know my sons don't even realize the cousins that they have they, they have cousins that are their ages about my cousin my sons are at this very moment have cousins about six or seven of them their age but they never grew up with them because why I chose to live in America. And, and that's a hard pill I have to swallow. That my sons will never know my family the way I know my family. You know, people think like being in America is easy. 
yes you know america is definitely different from a third world countries but it's not an easy pill we swallow because a lot of kids that like me literally spoke about last week there are kids like myself that come up in this country without even having a choice because we were we were so minors when we came to this country we were not we were not given a choice you know and when i was old enough to have the choice and when i graduated high school i was still forced because technically i was still a minor even though in, in legally in america i was 18 I'm a, and i'm an adult but it, you, you still have a mindset of a child you know like you have to go where your parents go so i'm here by circumstance not by choice you know <sighs> so <laughs> my dynamic is like very people don't know that like there's been times where i've had i get homesick for months just i, I didn't even tell Lily this the other day like when it comes to the holidays i get really really sad like i miss my family a whole lot my family doesn't even know that because they don't even know the story i just told you guys they have no idea they just saw bits and part of it but they don't know the true sense of how i chose to be in america by myself and my mother my father my sisters live in canada they live together the four of them with my niece i live in america by myself the only family i have is my children and my husband that is it i don't have a cousins or aunts and uncles and nephews and nieces i can talk to you know, I don't have that a foundation where if I'm having situations, who do I tur- turn to? I don't have them. I cannot. I have no one that I can be like, hey, can you watch my kids? Because I know if I had been in South Africa, my family would freaking, they're all my babysitters. You know, if I, if, I, if I need my kids to be watched, I don't have that. I don't have that foundation where I can turn around and be like, I have to go somewhere that really came out. Do you mind watching my kids? Or, you know, can we come over there for the weekend and have some fun? I do not have that. Like... I have a very close circle of friends and a lot of them don't even live near me, you know? So I don't have no one. Like my weekends with my kids, like when this pandemic hit and everyone was like, oh my God, we cannot go nowhere, blah, 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 whoop, whoop. I'm like, that's been my life. The pandemic that people had to isolate from their family members and friends, that's been my life since I've been in America in 2000 and 2006 by myself. I've had a pandemic life since 2006. It's now 2021. So imagine the magnitude of how I've been going, what I've been going through. I've gone through depression. I've gone through anxiety. I go, I have moments of homesickness, you know, especially around this time. And people just look at me like, oh, you're so strong. And I'm like, <laughs> I just smile and I, I don't hold the pain. I don't, I don't show the pain of what it is to be by yourself. That you don't have nobody. You see, you see people to get together and they, you know, so pictures of their cousins and they're having fun and stuff. And I'm like, I don't even have that. And even my cousins know that because now we're older, we can talk on the phone and stuff like that. And they like, we miss you. Like, you're not here no more. And I'm like, I know. I honestly know. Because we were a big part of my family too. Even though it was only one of us that left. But my dad and his brother, my my, bro- my dad's brother lives all the way in New Zealand or Australia, I believe. And his family's out there too. So their kids go through the same thing we're going through. You know, but the rest of the five of them, of my dad's brother, sisters, they still live in South Africa. And they, let me tell how close they live to each other. They can take about 20 minutes and they walk into each other's houses because they all live their clothes. They take a five minute drive and they, this one's ours, this one's ours, this one's all seven of them over there. And my cousins are within the same vicinity of my family. So they all live within walking distance of each other and within five minutes car drive. That's how close my dad's family live. And that's how close they are, you know? So they have each other support system. I have no support system in America. I had a great one and that was having my kids. I'm my kids support system. My kids are only 
14 and 15 and 3. I mean, yeah, he's not five. He'll be five in March. He's five now, you know? That's my little support system. But I don't, they, they cannot support me. I have to support them because they're still children. So I don't have a support system. The only one I can depend on is my husband. And that's a lot for him to deal with because I'm, you know, he has his parents, he has his brother, he has his Cuban. So they have a, he has a lot more family members over here. I don't. So people think it's easy to come to America. You can just give up your life and forget about your, your other life. You know what I'm saying? I had a life lived before this one. And people don't understand that. They're like, oh, you, you, you came to the American dream. Yeah, but I left a South African childhood. I, I left a South African dream. My life was, a, my life was based on a South African dream. And that's what I wanted to be, you know? Yeah. So people look at me like, oh, you're so strong. And I'm like, mm, I, had, I had no choice. When you have no choice to be strong, you have to do, be strong. And that's what God has given me, the foundation of my life. What I have today is not because of me. It's because of God. I owe everything I have because of God. People have told me, oh, you're so blessed. I said, I'm blessed because of God. Because God knows the struggles of my life, of my daily thoughts, my daily times where I want to give up. And I have to hear, he'd be like, he shakes me like, girl, you are not giving up. I did not bring you this far for you to give up now. And that's been a really mantra of my life. When when things get hard, when I cannot pay my bills at times, when I cannot freaking, because I've been a single mother since my late husband passed away. And I was a single mother until six years ago when I met Hector. So from the age of my kids were two and three, I was a single mother. I had like relationships that were not going anywhere. But I had no one I could depend on financially. I had to depend on myself and what God gave me. I had to figure out how to make what I had work, you know? So my kids only had me to depend on. They lost their dad. The dad's family hates me to this day. They talk shit about me. They keep telling people I got deported. They think, they, t- they tell people I do not live in America. They tell people I live in Africa and my kids are in the foster care system or some shit like that. Like I've heard so many rumors over the years. It's like, really? You know, but I became a U.S. citizen in 2000 and, ooh, like 14, 15, you know, but people, but they lie on me. They tell, they say a whole bunch of lies and that's fine, but that's what I've been up against. I've been up against me against the world. And it's like, if I have right. God, who can be against me? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. and, and and you were not alone. I think God has a purpose for everything God planted. Mm. You know, you, you have such a beautiful story surviving as a single mom by yourself like nobody like I, I had fucked up parents but they were always there at least to give me 20 40 bucks you know mm-hmm. um, you made it all by yourself and it's you're so strong and God has not left you alone he was with you it was you and him and the Holy Spirit together amen um, yeah you made it you have an awesome testimony for these yeah. women singles like it's amazing powerful they yeah because yeah. yeah, a lot of these women like they they feel like they're alone. But you a single mother and you have your family in the U.S. You are not alone. You have a great support system. Imagine these women that come from like myself or from like from Mexico that leave their yeah. families behind and want to make a better life for their kids. They have no support system, you know. Yes. And you look at them like, oh, look at these Mexicans trying to come over here, but they live for a reason. Yes. But they got nobody, and they have to figure out how can they make th- their lives better. And it's hard. Because when you have no foundation, when you can just go drop your kids over, you can get like $40 from your parents, or you can just, you know, get a shoulder to cry when stuff gets hard, or they can be to pick you up if you need a ride somewhere. We have none of that. Yeah. We have to figure out how we're going to live our life. Like, I know a lot of those women, like myself, when we, when we, when we plan anything, we have to be like, okay, we have to think 10 steps ahead. 
do I have time to do? So when I commit to something, like if someone says, oh, you want to go have lunch with me? I'm thinking, okay, if I have lunch within two hours, where we have to be within two hours. I got to pick my kids up at two o'clock. Uh, I'm being like, okay, I can have lunch to do, but I have to leave at 1.15 because I got to get, get my kids by two o'clock. So that's how I think. So when people mess up on my time, like, oh, you know, they take their time to get there or something. I'm like, I had to think for my, I have to think ahead and you and you're wasting my time. So people get pissed off at me when I leave because I'm not, you're wasting my time. I'm out because I have kids that depend on me. If, if anything happens to me, my kids have nobody, you know? And people don't understand the magnitude of the decisions that our parents or that they, that they make or the single mothers make or, you know? Yeah, how hard it is. Yes. And yep. it changes your whole life. But it's awesome how God always shows up and God makes it through. And mm. you have an awesome testimony. Look at you now. Look at what you're doing. Look look at us. Like, look at the yep. house. Look at your husband. God bless you with a great husband. With three Amen. kids. You know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay because my kids say that my, my, my cousin's like, I was just talking to him the other day. He's like, Look at your life, look how you made your life. And my best friend told me the other day, She's like, Your parents left you in the deep end of the sea and you somehow made it to the shore. And like, they cannot take that from you because you swam and you made sure you were going to swim and make it for your kids. And I said, You're right. You, my parents did not baby me. I had no parents that gave me everything. Like, they gave me everything when I was a minor. But when I became an adult, all that special treatment was gone. <laughs> you know, I never got a car from them. They never put me to university. I put myself to university. I got my own house by myself. And not and I want and I'm not gonna say by myself, through the grace of God, because God placed people in my life to help me in a certain direction. So God has always, always been present in my life. So I owe everything. When people look at me and say, Oh, you oh, you you know, you this this um oh told my God, God, God. I said, if I if it wasn't for God, my kids would not have the life they have. If it wasn't for God, I would not be able to sit here and have this podcast with Lily. Like God is my everything. I used to be like so ashamed to say that, you know, when I was younger. Now, I don't give a crap. God is my everything. People look at me like, oh, you like to curse a lot. Well, God's not complaining, so why are you complaining for? God <laughs> validates me. Like, I don't care. Like, people are like, oh, you know, you like this, you like it. No, if God is not complaining, he's not making me feel no type of way. He validates who I am. He, he's the reason I, I wake up every day. He's the reason I'm able to make coffee. He's the reason I'm able to drive. It's because of God. You know, yeah. the way I live my life is because of God. Nobody can take that from me. <laughs> you know? Yes, nobody, nobody. God no has way. made a way for you. God has opened rivers. God has gave you, made a fountain for you. God has brought you this way. That's yep. awesome that you still have like, you know, you keep them up there because the glory is all to him that he brought you this far. Exactly, yes. and he's gonna take you farther. Your testament is great too, because God took you through your stuff too, and He's been with you all the time. You know, it's just amazing how He works. And people are like, "Oh, God's on the shelf." Nope, He's right next to us right now. We're talking to Him. Like, remember that verse that says, "When you have two or three people in a room, the Holy Spirit comes in." So we have the Holy Spirit right with us right now as we're talking. <laughs> you know, Amen. Yes. so yeah. And he's so, right here through us. Yep. All the time. Like God has never left no one side. People think God is not there. God gives us a certain amount of angels and they watch over each and every each and every one of us every day. So it hurts when people say, Oh God abandoned me. Nope. He's waiting on you to open up your mouth and have prayer and talk to him. That's what he's waiting Amen. for. He, he's not waiting for he's not expecting you like my dad. 
for example, my dad was like, he wanted me to talk to him because that's how God wants us to talk to him. You know, like we there just talk. You know, <laughs> yes. that's as I believe. Yes, I, I I had a person tell me once, people that say that God talks to them are crazy, are seeing things. I was like, that is so sad that you think God doesn't talk to you. Mm-hmm. That is so sad. Like your life must be horrible. God talks to you and through anything the sunset he woke you up that means get up and do something because i have something yeah, for you exactly exactly it's like yeah, we, yeah. it's like like you say god told that people need to understand like that instinct like that gut feeling is god people don't realize that <laughs> yes my, my son the 16 year old he tells me but how do i know it's god or how do i know it's me i was like sometimes you got to read the bible so you understand if it's something mm. weird and it goes against the God, the word of god then obviously you know to discard it but if you're unsure try it just walk walk mm-hmm. in faith thinking god i think this is you i'm going to go for it majority of the time it is sometimes you're going to mess up and it's going to be you but god is making a path for you and if he puts this fire in your heart it's mm-hmm. for a reason it's for a reason that god put that stay here Yeah. Go to school, learn this. It's for what we're going to see. We haven't seen the future. So what you went through all that pain, feeling lonely, learning to develop on God, learning mm-hmm. your Bible, everything, even like your diary, writing on your diary. God told you keep writing on your diary. You wrote in your diary three years when you yeah. needed to get your uh your passport, the green card, the green card, that journal was evidence <laughs> it was evidence yeah. because like a lot of time people like you know I, what i found out doing doing that green card process um i found a woman would use like abuse as a reason to get into the us so they only had like you know the police report so when i went the day of my appointment she was like is there anything else that you might have to improve your case stronger and i was like well i did write diaries and she was like okay how 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 many and i was like i have three years worth and she was like She looked at me and she's like you have 3 years worth of diaries of abuse. I said, "Yeah." She's like, "Wow, that is going to be the key for you getting your green card because the, the, you know, the police report is good, but the fact that you have 3 years of evidence to back you up and then on top of it, I had pictures of the last time he put his hands on me. And she was like, "Your case is solid. There's nothing no one can say about that." And right now those diaries because they took photocopies sitting is sitting in the immigration office. Because the reason I talk about this specific story was later on once I got my green card paper his sister tried to get me to um sue the police station to get rid of the police report because they were like it's not true that my brother was an abusive man but I was but little does she know that I had three years worth of diaries that not just implicated implicated him it implicated the entire family what they put me through Because every day something happened, I would literally go in my diary. What the father said to me, what the mother said to me, what the brother said to me, what the sister said to me, what he said to me, what, what they did to me, I would literally write it down. And little did I know that it would actually help me in getting a green card. I had no idea because at the age of 13, you know, little girls, you get high school. Oh, write a diary, dear diary. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, and, so- I, and I believe the Holy Spirit gave you the key. Said, just write a diary you put every night write on your diary write on your diary because he knew what you needed what you were going to need a couple years forward yeah that's what that's what for us when the holy spirit inside of you is telling you i need to go apologize to this person sometimes if you do it and it sounds scary or so little but god is, has a purpose for those little mm-hmm. things that he tells you for you and that that he, the holy spirit is telling you writing that diary it was your key it was your key mm-hmm. yeah 
and even like my key right now because um you know going through some stuff in the past two weeks me my my family i have not talked to my father in the past two weeks because of something that happened and i was really angry with him you know because he had said some really disrespectful things to me and i kind of just shut him out for the past two weeks but god told me and i was talking to lily about it and she was like forgiveness and the moment she put it in me my heart moved and god was like this is what you need to do for in order to able to talk about your story today without crying because trust me a week ago lily heard me i was in tears and when i forgave him and god put that little like like lily planted the seed god grew that seed and i forgave my parents for what they did because there's a lot of things that my life could have been different if they did not make that decision in 2003 my life would have been, I would probably had my kids, I'd be married to a South African guy with three, five kids. I don't know. <laughs> but because of my parents' decision, I was really upset with why they made the decision. But I had to let it go. And because of Lily planting that seed of forgiveness and God grew that seed, I had to forgive my parents because they have to work on their issues with my, my sisters and work on their issues. And that's how God moved me, you know, like the key for the diaries and then the key for being able to do this podcast today <laughs> to talk yes. about it. <laughs> Like God moves. Like people don't know that God moves all the time, all the time. That, that's why I believe He causes our our bodies temples. Mm-hmm. Temples. Yeah. Like we either let the Holy Spirit run this temple, or we let the enemy run this temple. And I just always say, forgiveness releases you. Love gets you closer to God. Um, trust mm-hmm. finds a new way. Like we just gotta keep going. You know. Mm-hmm. When it gets hard, you just gotta keep pushing through and. Times I wanted to give up in my life, but I was like, nope, I gotta keep pushing through. And God is like, I'm right there, let's go. I got you got this, you got this. And somehow he always moves people in your life to open certain doors and you're like, you know, people are like, because people will put doubts in your mind. But if you believe in God and you hold him close, he will always open and he will shut that doubt up from those people and he'll open a door. And people are like, how the hell did that happen? God. <laughs> God. God, God, that's it, God. God. <laughs> people like they talk like I know, like, and and I believe when people talk, like you know talk shit about you, spread rumors, that fuels your blessings because you don't give into that. You let them talk. Do not ever like I've learned like I love my haters. I'm like come on haters because your hate is blessing me because I'm not gonna go and be on your level and be like well that's not true. I don't have time to do that. God will defend me. Like I don't God care. What people have to say about me because God always makes a way to defend us. Always. That's why I don't have time for revenge. I don't have time to be spiteful. I don't have time to throw, show hatred. What I do choose in the, in the sight of the pain, I smile. <laughs> I literally yeah. smile. And be like, let's go. You know? Amen. Yes. <laughs> I've learned a lot with that. With that, right there, I, mm-hmm. I don't. I just, I don't play. I don't have time for that. I'm too busy thanking God. I'm too busy thanking God for what He's going to do tomorrow. I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. Oh, holding up my hands to receive my next blessing. I'm too busy. I can't. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It keeps us busy because it's like we know, like we continue, continue. And God got us. Like we go through some shit and you be like, what the? You know, you, you want to curse, you want to get mad. But like I told you even last week, that anger is a doorway for the enemy to come in and inf- infiltrate and cause corruption that you do not need, you know? So sometimes you just have to be, okay, what am I trying to learn from this? Because this situation in my, in my, kind of like marriage right now I feel like snapping on his ass a lot of the times like this morning I'm gonna <laughs> grab the shit at him and like what the, but I was like you know what let me take a moment and calm down and I started praying and I was talking to God and God's like you got this relax and don't let it happen and that's how you have to talk to God like in those moments you wanna take your five fingers across somebody's face you gotta be like oh calm down let me check myself 
<laughs> let me talk to God real quick. Let me check in with God before I, you know, if we go do something you're gonna regret. <laughs> like, my husband, my husband, my husband, he's, you know, he's not a believer. So a lot of, he says, I need you, we were arguing the other day too, and we were just, it was a horrible day. And I kept saying, I was just saying mean things to him, very mean things that I will not repeat because I'm Christian now. <laughs> and he tells me. But the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just start quick. It's okay for moments like this to happen. You just have to remember to check yourself when it does happen. So it's okay because we're all human. <laughs> we all yeah, human. No, he tells me. He tells me, can you please do a podcast of when women lose their shit and how they get back to normal? Yes. <laughs> I will watch that podcast. I'll like, we will, we will get to it. We will get to it, Ernie. I'm telling you, Ernie, if you heard this podcast, we will get to that because that's something we need to talk about. Definitely need to talk about. <laughs> because men lose their shit too. We're going to talk about that too. <laughs> because yeah. it happens and we're human. And that's what makes, that's what makes life so interesting because People think that when you talk about God, you're supposed to be this perfect like box, right? And you cannot say nothing bad because then you're not Christian. Man, when Jesus came, the, all those many years ago, he did not come for the freaking saints. He did not come for the people in church. He Because he knew the people in church were just as much sinners as the ones that were outside prostituting and drinking and getting drunk. He came for the ones that owned their truth. I'm a sinner and that is who I am. That's who he wants. He wants you to own up to your sin. But you don't have to even be perfect. Like when you take Jesus Christ as Savior, you still don't have to be perfect. You can still make mistakes. You can still freaking fuck up. Like excuse my language, but fuck up. Because I like I, I curse a lot. People don't know that, but I curse a lot. And he's and he still loves you anyway. You know? All you gotta do is ask him forgive say, Lord, please forgive me. And then try hardest not to do that. But if you do it again, go the same word. Ask him for forgiveness again. And that's why we are human beings. Because he did not credit us to be perfect angels. You know, he credits to be the human race. We're all different. We all have situations, and God loves us anyway. <laughs> Amen. 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 Yes. I know Lily has a verse to talk about too. What before we end our um our next our episode? Yeah. Um. I just the verse that I thought about your story is um Isaiah forty one thirteen, um and the verse says, "For I hold your right hand, I the Lord your God, and I will say to you." Do not be afraid. I am here to help you. Um, and I just feel like God was there with you. Every time mm. you were alone and your husband would get home, try to beat you, fight you, he was there. You know, he kept telling you, keep going. You got this, Viora. Keep going. When you went to the court, he told you, you know, bring your papers. Mm-hmm. He was there. He's approved that he was there. He was that whisper, you know, telling you, Viora, you're going to be okay. I got you, you know. Mm-hmm. He was that whisper. And you're the evidence, you're proof of this, that God held your hand the whole 10 years that you were going through the marriage. You had your babies when he passed away, because I'm sure it was painful. Mm-hmm. And you know, you were alone and no mom, no dad, you know, you had to suck it up, find a place, stay with friends. And God was with you. And God all the told time. you, all the time he whispered to you, he made you, he created who you are, you know? He had you alone, but you were not alone. He was holding your hand at night. He was holding those babies, you know? Mm-hmm. You've been with so me just... for 35 years. <laughs> 35 yes. years of my life. Yep. And you too. Yes. Yep. So if you're that wife, if you're that wife with your daughter and your husband left, or your husband passed away, or one of your child has passed away, or you're going through something so painful, you, you can have faith that God is holding your right hand God is loving you and God is telling you, please do not be afraid for I am here to help you. And I just, 
that to me Amen. so powerful amen and people need to realize that god has never left your side he's always he created you before in your mother's womb before he like he formed you before he knew you you know before you were placed in the mother's womb so he's always been my side people think like it's one god no god has he has so many eyes like god is so powerful that we don't even know how much he sees you know he has a legion of angels mm-hmm and allegiance means thousands and thousands and thousands of angels it's not just you know people think allegiance they don't even know what the meaning of that means let me ask you let's talk about that real quick what allegiance means <laughs> <laughs> like legions when people um a legion is a unit of three thousand to six thousand men so imagine if god says i have a legions not a legion he has legions which means is a lot of angels there's a billion people on earth that have angels around them so god is always informed of what is going on you might be there in your bed at night had a bad day and you're crying in those moments that's when you pray and go to god open your heart and call on your angels and call on god and he will come and assist you and i'm like i believe in prayer (laughs) me too me too Praise is powerful oh guys so yes that is my story so let's end it on that no we don't take it too much of your time so thank you for listening to our podcast if you have any prayer requests any comments any suggestions please hit me and um, Lily up in our podcast IG it's called Getting Real with Lee and Lily on IG and my personal podcast IG if you want to talk to me directly is Liora underscore Turner 25 um, that's an IG and Lily what's yours uh, mine is uh, add bible on the go and you can have ask questions and if you have want me to pray for you or if you have anything you're going through you want to talk to somebody we're here feel free free feel free like we are always open like, we are really trying to do God's work God has really put a purpose in our life work we want to talk about subjects we probably might never have gone through but we want to talk about it like this is what this podcast is about to talk about so we're getting real with not just me and lily but getting real with god and the holy spirit and jesus christ because as we talk they present themselves <laughs> i really yes. believe that. Yes, <laughs> me too <laughs> you said it right here like hey guys what's up <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so thank you guys for taking the time to listen to our podcast today hope you have an amazing rest of your week and our podcast if anyone wants to know will be dropped every tuesday and we will definitely be doing a countdown on ig you can always click on that to know exactly when the podcast is about to drop uh, it gets dropped at 1 p.m eastern standard time and then 10 a.m pacific time lily's time so i'm getting used to the pacific and eastern time <laughs> yes me too <laughs> we're learning guys we're learning so we're and learning. we're learning with you guys too we're on the journey with you not just me lily but with everybody <laughs> yes all of us together all of us together amen so thank you guys for taking the time to listen to us we will check in with y'all next week tuesday yes next tuesday bye guys bye